Military murder is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host. The content of this podcast is not meant to be legal or medical advice. Warning, this episode contains graphic details of murder and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, True Crime Army. If this is your first time here, I am your host, Margot, and this is a true crime podcast where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home, baby. So I know that you've been biting your nails waiting for part two. If you're just tuning in and you haven't listened to Killer Mom Part 1, which is episode 29, stop right now, go back and listen to the episode first. Trust me, you want to hear what the heck a crazy mama did to her kids before you listen today. But without further delay, for those of you who have been waiting an entire week, let's proceed to Part 2 of Killer Mom, the Julie Scheniger story. Now, let's keep digging. My sources for this week are the same as those I mentioned last week, so I'm not going to go into them again. I left off after we all discovered that Julie Scheniger killed her two kids. Her husband in Afghanistan just heard the devastating news, and ABC News reported that less than three months before the murder, Julie had actually been investigated, however briefly, for child abuse for smacking her 16-year-old daughter, Calix. Okay, so the double murder occurred in 2011, early 2011, actually January, But Julie's murder trial would drag on for years. And do you know why? Well, because investigators seized every single computer in the home, and that was five computers. From those five computers, they extracted over 1.14 million files. This mountain of evidence, whether relevant or irrelevant, was a contentious point in all of it because the judge wanted to know when the defense would be ready to go to trial. And they kept saying, hello, judge. We have to comb through all of these records. This is a death penalty case after all. Well, Julie's trial began in April of 2014. And although prosecutors had initially indicated they were seeking the death penalty in the years that followed the murder of the two teenage Schenickers, prosecutors discovered that Julie had severe mental health issues. And quite frankly, prosecutors realized that a death sentence would not hold up at the Florida Supreme Court level. By the time of the trial, Julie and Parker had been divorced since May 19th, 2011, but more on the divorce a little later. The jury in Julie's case was made up of eight men and four women, most of them parents. At trial, Julie pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Now, this is a very difficult legal standard to prove in court because in order to be successful with this plea, The defendant has to prove that at the very moment when they were committing the act, they could not appreciate the nature of their actions. But remember, there was a lot of planning involved in Julie's case, if you refer back to part one of this episode. Now, Julie was planning this Saturday massacre, but she had to wait the additional three days to get the gun. So there was all the planning before the murders and then all the planning and all of the notes that she left after the murders, but her defense must have thought it was possible for them to win with this 
quickly. Sadly, the Tampa Bay Times reported that there were emails between Julie and her then-husband that revealed that the kids didn't even want to drive with her anymore because two days after, you remember earlier where I talked about that child abuse report in the fall? Well, two days after the cops came to her house, Julie got into a car accident. According to the Florida Highway Patrol report, Julie showed signs of drug impairment. According to the Tampa Bay Times, she was intoxicated with a combination of alcohol and Oxycontin. Now, for this incident, she was charged with careless driving and forced to take classes. And after she was taken to the hospital because of the car crash, she was released before they drug tested her. And in my personal opinion, this is probably why she wasn't charged with DUI or DWI. At trial, the defense really aired out the Schenecker's dirty laundry. Well, mostly Julie's secrets, things that she kept buried deep in her past. The things that ladies at the spouses club, they don't talk about. During the trial, we learned about Julie Powers. Julie was born in Iowa. She had a younger sister and an older brother. And at some point when she was a kid, her family moved from Iowa to California. When Julie was only six years old, she was molested. She reported the molestation and she testified at the perpetrator's trial. Her family soon moved back to Iowa and she found her outlet through sports. But again, at the age of 17, she was sexually assaulted. However, she continued to find an outlet through sports and she continued to play the sports throughout college and even when she was in the military. She was a student athlete when she was in college. After college, Julie joined the army and for a year, she was engulfed in an intensive language program to learn Russian. In the military, she excelled. She was on the army volleyball team and at some point she even coached the team. But cracks in Julie's personality were evident to those closest to her, especially her husband. The defense argued that Julie left the military partly because of her depression. And after separating, she formed a new doctor-patient relationship with a new mental health professional at every single base because she needed constant help. And listen, this is not a problem. These are just highlights that the defense wanted to highlight to the jury during the trial. Now, the defense threw around terms like she suffered from tardive dyskinesia and dyskinesia, blah, blah, blah. So Mayo Clinic describes that tardive dyskinesia is a condition affecting the nerve system, the nervous system, often caused by long term use of some psychiatric drugs. Now, dyskinesia is an uncontrolled involuntary muscle movement. And the defense brought this up because immediately after Julie was arrested for the murder, she went through a pretty serious withdrawal from all of the medications that she was combining with alcohol. So if you Google this case, you will see a video of Julie looking straight insane and shaking uncontrollably as she walks past news cameras and her body's like kind of stiff, but kind of shaking at the same time. And the police officers are practically like holding her up. It's it's a it's a terrifying video when you watch it. Well, Parker testified for the prosecution and he provided many of the facts that I have provided in this story. But he also discussed the fact that the family never had firearms in the house. That was like a big no-no for him. Julie had been out target shooting in the past, but it's unclear if this was while she was still in the military and childless or after she left the service to become a full-time stay-at-home mom. In any event, Parker did discuss that the night before the shooting, 
Him and the kids and the family Skyped and the kids were all smiles and there was zero indication of what was about to happen. Shockingly, Parker testified that a month after the kids' murders, he saw Julie for the first time. And I'm presuming it was at a court hearing or maybe the divorce proceedings or divorce uh, mediation. But Julie looked at Parker and said, quote, I guess I stomped your heart flat, end quote. Uh, What? Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. She just needs to stop talking, this woman. Well, the jury deliberated for two hours and returned a verdict. Guilty. They did not buy the defense's argument that Julie was insane at the time of shooting her kids. Although there was substantial evidence that Julie did have mental health issues and that was all brought on at trial. Outside the courtroom, the juries refused to talk to reporters and they really looked shook. It appeared as if they had just seen a ghost because they just looked so disturbed. One of the jurors would eventually break her silence and she told the Tampa Bay Times that during deliberations, they read Julie's journal in its entirety and they found that Julie wrote about knowing that her actions could be viewed as not only morally wrong, but illegal. What struck them also was the fact that Julie lied to the gun clerk. And why would someone lie if they thought that what they were about to do was right? Immediately after the verdict, Julie made a blabbing statement to the judge, who, according to her, the judge was a military veteran. And it's odd because Julie took this couple minutes, it was like five or six minutes, to talk about joining the military in 83. And she talked about the oath that she took and being willing to give her life for her country. And in my personal opinion, I was unmoved by every single word that she said. And she should have really just said, hey, I'm sorry for killing my kids and just sat down. But she didn't really even say that. She just said, I'm sorry for all the pain that I've caused, ba ba ba. And I just think, listen, just sit down. Flattering the judge isn't going to help you any. Julie told the judge that she believed that her kids were in heaven and felt no pain. Julie Scheniker was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences for the murders of Calix and Bo and is not eligible for parole. Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus, which listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. 
If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code MAMAMARGO, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T for 15% off. Enjoy. And when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. I mentioned earlier that I wanted to discuss Julie and Parker's divorce because it was a fascinating story. By the way, Colonel Scheneker is the man. In everything that I have seen, he has been the epitome of a stone cold soldier. And I mean that in the most respectful way, because I imagine what I would be like in his shoes and I'd be dropping F-bombs all over the place. You'd probably have to peel me off the ground. Ugh. To be honest, just thinking about it makes me want to vomit. But anyway, imagine poor Colonel Scheneker. He's filing for a divorce from a woman who just murdered his kids, thinking, you killed my kids. What else can you take from me? I've lost it all, period, dot, that's it. Well, he filed for divorce and Julie started making demands in the divorce while she's sitting in jail pending murder charges. Now, this is the list of things that she wanted in the divorce. Ready? She wanted half of the $2 million marital estate. She wanted $40,000 for a lawyer, $10,000 for a forensic accountant. She wanted alimony. She wanted health insurance. She wanted Parker to buy life insurance on himself and name her as the beneficiary. And by the way, she wanted her diamond engagement ring back. (laughs) Now, Colonel Scheneker told St. Petersburg Times, quote, I was incredulous, end quote. So what did Colonel Scheneker do? He filed a wrongful death civil suit. He told reporters that he feared that people might think that he only cared about money, but he didn't care about money. And listen, sir, I don't think anyone would ever think that. I think you did the right thing. I wouldn't want to give her a penny. I don't care how long we, would, we were, had been married. Just it's, it's, it really is incredulous. In the civil suit, Julie's attorney argued that Parker, Colonel Scheneker, was partly to blame for the kid's murder because he knew how unwell and maybe crazy she was. She points to the email that he sent out to his close friends and family, asking everyone to watch out for the family because, in his words, she's a 50-year-old with the capacity of a 10-year-old. Yep, those were his exact words. And... That was the email. Remember what I had mentioned in the previous episode where there was this email, kind of like a secretive family email going around. And it was all basically like saying like, hey, take care of the kids, make sure Julie's fine, yada, yada, yada. But she was thinking that he was telling everybody that he was going to be filing for divorce. To be honest, I didn't dig enough to find out what the result of the civil wrongful death suit was in Scheneker versus Scheneker. But If any of my listeners want to dig in or if you know or if you found an article, then just send it my way and I can share that information on my Facebook page or my Instagram. Okay. YouTube is an incredible avenue to view court proceedings and news reports. And I watched a five part series where reporter Serena Fazan interviewed Julie in a jailhouse interview in 2015, which was about a year after the trial. And when I tell you that it's a fascinating journalistic piece, this five-part series, 
I absolutely mean it. I'm not sure if Julie was acting or if that was the real Julie who was in the video. But after watching it and hearing her story from her point of view, I do believe with 100% certainty, this is my personal opinion, that she is seriously mentally ill. Do I think that she was insane at the time of her murder? Probably not legally. Here are a few clips from the interview that I wanted to share with you. And total credit goes to ABC Action News and Serena Fazan for conducting the interview. In this first clip, Julie talks about her trial and she starts off talking about the things that they talked about at her trial that she says that they basically focused on her accolades instead of focusing on her mental health issues. But mostly I heard good things what I did because I lived a lot of my life manic. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that until it's too late. Then I'm, then I'm, I don't know. Then people say, you should know better. Because why? I'm educated, I'm military, prior service. I learned this language, the first thing you say. Like, you know this, you know, and prior, and that, that prosecutor, he did an awesome job, by the way. Jay Pruner, he won. Clear, clear winner in my trial. Actually, I, I wish I could have shook his hand because he did a beautiful job convincing the jury. I thought, I thought it was great. I don't know if you saw the trial, but my attorneys sucked. <laughs> his, his job, very good. Very, very good because she's so bright. She skipped grades. She has an IQ of this. She learned Russian, she, this, that, all this. She's so smart. She pulled this off. Are you going to let her, with that kind of intelligence, do that? Because I can put noun, verb, noun together. I don't have, mili I don't have any mental illness because I can make a sentence because I don't live on the street, because I can put, put, a, put an outfit on, recognize Prada, whatever the hell. Really? This, this is the problem. You're not mentally ill because you put on makeup, you did your hair, you put on the clothes, and you went outside and whatever, got the groceries and drove the car, wore the clothes. No, no. I was a facade. Everyone knew I was mentally ill. My parents, why didn't you testify for me? We weren't asked. My friends, why didn't you testify for me that I had all these struggles, problems, major problems with people? with things all my life. I had a lot of problems, but we only know the, the victories I had, how successful I was. That's all they talked about in the trial, right? Yeah, no. Did you hear that part where she said that her attorney sucked? I thought they did a pretty decent job, you know, for, for what they were doing. Julie makes a good point where she talks about people with mental health issues doing normal everyday things like going grocery shopping, putting makeup on, basically putting on a facade. Wow. In this 20 second clip, 
Julie discusses why people with mental health issues are perfect candidates for the military. Oh, guys, when I heard this, I uh, just just listen, just listen. The way I was in the military, it was perfect for the military. Every kind of mental illness is perfect for the military. I'm ready to sacrifice my life, drinking hard with the guys, doing anything you need to do because you're living on the edge the whole time. What do you think? You think all us military folks have a loose screw? That's what she's basically saying a little bit, right? <laughs> In this seven second heart wrenching clip, Julie discusses why she didn't get the proper help she needed. Our pride, I'm just going to say our, not his, our pride kept us from addressing mental health. That's eye-opening, right? This is why I thought it was so important to cover this case. In this next clip, Julie discusses keeping her mental health issues hush-hush. Because it would be unbelievable for people to think that I could be so sick. I didn't talk about mental illness. I didn't talk about depression. I didn't talk about being in a psych ward. I didn't talk about what I wanted to be. I wanted to be proud of speaking out. And I never took this step to be outspoken about mental illness because I was ashamed that I wasn't the big star athlete and the big star soldier and the big, the wonderful mom and the wonderful wife and colonel's wife and all that bullshit. I couldn't, I could not get myself to be humble enough to say there's another dimension. Nope, too proud. And how many of us are there? There's so many of us. And I'm still hiding it in here. What do you guys think? My heart breaks about this story every time I think about it. Like I said, there is no excuse for what Julie did. None at all. But, you know, I just, I, I actually have no words. In this last clip, Julie gives people her final message. Why she chose to do this interview. What do I want? What do I want women to know? Don't, don't be embarrassed. It's so hard. How do you not be embarrassed? How? What's the most embarrassing thing to you? How do you just come out with that? The most embarrassing thing to you and show the world. Think about it. What is everybody take the most embarrassing thing and right. then show the world? Right. So you're saying for women, just do not be embarrassed about, about this especially. Anybody. Well, obviously, because this, this, I've ruined, I've ruined way, way, way more lives than I would ever ruin just being me, mentally ill. And if I would have just come out and said, I'm mentally ill and I'm dealing with it and I need help. Many of you may be wondering, Marco, why in the hell should I listen to a killer mom? Why? Why should I listen to any advice that she might have? She clearly didn't take 
her own advice. And to those people, I say, most often we learn from people's mistakes. If we only look at people when they've made it, we've missed the mark, right? How do we attain whatever it is that that person has? And how do we avoid the pitfalls that some people in Julie's shoes have gotten themselves into? You know, I teach my kids by example, but sometimes they do stupid crap anyway. And I take that opportunity, that mistake to teach them a lesson. Don't touch a hot stove because it's hot. Don't jump on the bed because you may fall. Well, Julie's words are real. They're real. They're raw. Whether you believe it or not, one of your closest friends right now at this moment may be dealing with a mental health issue and you may not even know it. It's okay to talk about it, but most importantly, it's okay to not be okay. So long as you're getting professional help and getting the support from your loved ones. And I know, I know that's not always easy. The big thing that Julie wanted people to take from her jailhouse interview was that she was mad at her husband. She was mad at him because before he left for Afghanistan, she told him to never, ever, ever put her in a mental health institution again. But she was mad that he actually listened to her. She's mad that he didn't try to have her commit it. Now, what she thinks is, she says, he listened to me because he put his career first. And I'm not sure if she means like maybe he was embarrassed or whatever it was, but I mean, I guess it is what it is, right? The most interesting part about this and, and why I decided to cover this case, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, but her words just really shook me when she said, quote, our pride kept us from addressing mental health, end quote. Isn't this true? Isn't this the truth? Isn't this why most people don't seek mental health treatment either, either in the military or in the civilian sector? You're afraid. What are people going to say? I actually think that a lot of people in the civil on the civilian sector are more, I guess, willing to accept mental health and they actually just share it with people. I know I have a lot of friends, civilians who have mental health issues and they'll just share it like, oh, I'm on this medication or I'm on that medication or whatever. But in the military, it's all hush, hush, hush. And it's because people are afraid if you start talking about it. If you start talking about people that, you know, and your family was with mental health issues that well, if you're in the military and you start talking about mental health issues, a lot of people fear that they'll lose their job, they'll lose their security clearance. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to say what the military does and doesn't do, but it's important for people to realize that mental health, mental illness is like any other illness. If you got COVID, you would go get the test, right? You you wouldn't just sit at home if if you broke your leg, you wouldn't just sit at home and, you know, let it get better, you would seek help. Anyway, Julie was ashamed that she wasn't the best mother, that she wasn't the best wife, and also that she wasn't the best colonel's wife. <sighs> Guys, I thought it was important to share those clips with you to humanize Julie. I mean, it's not to excuse her horrific acts, but really, this is why I created this podcast humans are flawed individuals. And in the military, there's this persona we often feel we need to protect. We have to make rank, rank, rank. We have to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And if you're too sick to hang, get the heck out of the way. That's the military mentality. But mental health is so important. Things like this keep happening. And you know what? Let's 
I mean, we're not excusing Julie Schenecker. She got mental health treatment and she still begged not to go back. And she decided to combine her mental health pills and her pills with alcohol, which may have contributed to some of this and the way she was feeling. But you know what? Military spouses are not immune either. Goodness gracious. I hear from military spouses all the time. Military spouse culture is a thing. How many times do I hear about an officer's wife throwing around their spouse's rank at schools to get into better classes, etc. And all the wives are yelling, sit down, you don't wear your spouse's rank, blah, blah, blah. But we all know that this is happening and, and that's how Julie felt behind it all. But no one saw it because she kept it to herself. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. But really, I do, I do think that everyone should go check out that five-part interview with the killer mom herself. She makes some pretty crazy allegations here. She talks about knocking some guy down some stairs and choking him while she was on active duty. She also talks about headbutting a major's wife while she was the colonel's wife at some social event. Now, mind you, she's a little out of it and uh, none of this information has been corroborated. And no, I was not about to call now retired Colonel Scheneker to confirm whether his wife headbutted some major's wife. No, I didn't do that. I'm sure that he never wants to hear the name of the woman who murdered his kids ever again. So anyway, while we are on the topic of retired Colonel Scheneker, I wanted to discuss a speech that he gave back in 2014, a few months after the murder trial. Colonel Scheneker gave a speech titled Living Through the Unthinkable, Colonel Scheneker's Story. And this was, uh, I, I saw it on the YouTube channel called Because I Said I Would. During the speech, Colonel Scheneker discussed how he lived and continues to live with this unthinkable and unimaginable act in the background, you know? At the kids' memorials, he said, quote, Today we celebrate the way they lived, and I will spend the rest of my time doing just that. Colonel Scheneker says, through all the devastation, he's the most fortunate dad in the world. He said the short lives his kids lived was amazing. They were exceptional kids. They were military kids. They not only had each other, but because they knew what it was like to be the new kid everywhere that they went, they always picked up the other new kids and they were always inclusive. They were devoted friends, classmates and teammates. 
And with all of the achievements that he has had to date, those beautiful kids are his proudest achievement in life. Colonel Scheneker started the Calix and Bo Scheneker Memorial Fund for Youth Development and Scholarship. Well, for those of you who don't know, I am me, Mama Margo. I'm a Rocky Balboa fan and I love the Rocky movies. And if you've seen the latest movie, it might have been the one, the Rocky Balboa movie. You know, the quote about he's like in the in what's that called in the he's like outside with his son. And he's giving him this like speech about life. And he's saying life hits you hard. You got to get up. You got to keep getting up. Well, Colonel Scheneker's speech is like that. It starts out a little odd if you know the background story of his kids, because he talks about this other one of his friends who was who was killed in the 90s. But then Colonel Scheneker comes out swinging. I was in tears by the end of it. I'm going to try and keep it together, though. And since this is Calix and Bo's story. I want to end with Colonel Scheneker's words. And there is much more to this speech, but here are just a few snippets. Quote, how do you do it? How do you get up every day? How do you breathe? He's saying these are the questions that he gets from people all the time. He says, it's pretty simple. I refuse to let this tragedy change who I am. I refuse to let this tragedy beat me down. I will not wallow in pity or anger. Most importantly, I'm still a dad and dads love their kids forever. I miss my kids terribly and whoever coined the term time heals things, they didn't know me. It's more painful every single day. The question is not how do I do it? How will you do it when life knocks you to your knees? Will you stay down? Will you hope that the ref counts down your time? Will you throw in the towel or will you pick up that towel and wipe off the sweat, the blood, dry the tears, wipe away the fears and live? I will remember how my children lived. He ended with, quote, remember, when you feel like you can't go on, reach within, find that strength, end quote. If you are active duty, guard, reserve, family, or friend, and need to speak to a counselor, you can call the Military Crisis Line by calling 1-800-273-8255, or you could text 838-255 to find a counselor now. Of course, if you or someone you know is dealing with a mental health issue, please reach out to a mental health professional to get the help you need. Leave the self-hate and embarrassment at the door. Get the help you need now. And be sure to check out my show notes for more resources that are available through the National Institute of Mental Health. Take care of yourself. True Crime Army, you can look at someone's Facebook or Instagram profile and die of envy, but don't. After Julie committed the most heinous crime imaginable, a reporter from New York Daily News looked up Julie on Facebook. And according to Julie's Facebook profile, at the time that she committed the murders, her activities including turning Facebook pink for one week for breast cancer awareness, the Cheesecake Factory, and quote, 
click like if you love your son, end quote. All right, guys, I know that that was a very, very tough two episodes, but you know what? I needed to say this. I needed to tell this story. The We can't just sit here and tell the stories that everyone has already heard. You have to tell the hard stories. You have to tell the stories about mental health. You ha- Especially right now when we're all stuck at home with our kids and the kids are driving us crazy. I mean, you know, I don't mean that. And I'm probably going to get beat up by saying that. But come on, let's be honest. Let's be who we are. Let's tell the truth. Let's let's open up these discussions. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about a few weeks ago. I did the case on Mark Essex. That was a race case. That was a case about race. And everyone is so quiet and mum about it. Okay, I get it. It is what it is. Let's talk about it. So if you want to talk about it, you can find me on social, on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast, on Facebook at Military True Crime, and on Twitter at Military Murder. This show was created by Mama Margot Productions, produced by producer Katie Kay. Thank you, Katie Kay. And the music was created by TyOps. Please check the show notes for a direct link to my sources page on my website, militarymurderpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next week. Podcast.